0: Good morning, Nava family. I want to bring you a message that is deep in my heart and vulnerable this morning. I love you so much. I wish we were together in person. Of all times, I would love to see your face and be with you this morning. But alas, we are in our home churches, um, but we're still together in spirit. Uh, As I speak today, I need Jesus. So will you pray with me? Jesus, let my words be filled with grace. Jesus, let my words be filled with truth. Give me the words to say in the way that you would say them. Jesus, be honored today as we sit together in who you are. Amen. Nava, over the last year plus, We've been traveling around the city, following a cloud. We have been picking up God's heart in every region that he has taken us. What a sovereign time, soaking in the goodness of who God is in the various regions of our city. Just before um, we went into the season of stay-at-home order, we were at La Fe in Jesu Christo. And God was marking us with the heart of the Latino community. And this has become a long-term relationship for us. It was cut short by COVID, which was sad, but we have a deposit into our hearts. We are still, I believe, following the cloud. And I think God wants to release to us the next leg of the journey, which is his heart for the urban core in the east side of Kansas City. We've been focusing on preparing the way from 2 Chronicles 7.14, daily we're praying the inward journey of righteousness, humility, hungering for God, and God searching us in holiness to find if there's anything that grieves. This inward journey of righteousness prepares us for the outward journey of justice. That is setting every wrong right in the healing of the land through forgiveness. These two things are the pillars of God's throne, the essence of God's kingdom, the internal work of righteousness through humility, hunger, and holiness, the external work of justice through forgiveness and the healing of the land. We are preparing the way. I want to look deeper into healing of the land We believe mountains of power and injustice are coming down and valleys of those who are oppressed and not heard and poor are being lifted up that Jesus can be seen in Kansas City. We've been crying out for revival and awakening. When God comes near, everything that is in the human heart is revealed and exposed. God has been moving in our nation through these moments of crisis. He is getting our attention and our affection. Personally, he is revealing places of idolatry. And in our nation, he's revealing places of injustice. When God draws near, everything is revealed. But if it is not revealed, it will not be healed. I believe this is the awakening that we have been praying for. Maybe not in the way we thought, but when God comes close, Everything that grieves him has to come out, and repentance has to be released. The healing of the land. We're in a global respiratory virus called COVID-19. It's a pandemic that causes people not to be able to breathe. And simultaneously, there's the revealing of a greater pandemic, which has been in humanity much longer which is the oppression and injustice of peoples. And we are seeing this pain in our nation. The words, I can't breathe, have sparked a a progression, uh, an uprising and an exposing of the pain. And, And just like with Adam, when God breathed, into him. His eyes opened. And we are saying, with the breath of God, enter the body of Christ. With the breath of God, enter humanity where it's been oppressed and hurt. Maybe the winds of the spirit and the winds of change are blowing right now. The death of George Floyd has broken our hearts and has broken the hearts of a nation. And not just a nation, but has broken the nations of the earth. It's a tipping point. As I've talked with some of the leaders in the black community who are my friends, who have grieved countless lives taken, innocent lives taken, they've said to me again and again, Adam, this is different. Change is happening. Something is stirring. There's an invitation to feel it. There's an invitation to feel it deeply. And a change is coming. A change that we're praying will last. Jesus is weeping with us. Jesus can identify with our pain. Jesus identifies with the pain of this beautiful man, George Floyd. Jesus was crushed by Roman power and died a death on a cross of crucifixion where he couldn't breathe. He was suffocated. And this death of George Floyd will not be in vain. There is redemption And justice being born from this moment. At the very site in Minneapolis, at Ground Zero, in the last few days, hundreds of people have given their life to Jesus right there. The place of pain has become a place of prayer and redemption. And people are being baptized. But also around the world, an awakening of justice and mercy and healing and redemption is taking place. Now that over the last week, we have been sitting 24-7 in a prayer room devoted to racial healing to sit and consider the historic pain and injustice and oppression that has taken place towards the black community, our brothers and sisters. God has been breaking our hearts and testimony after testimony are coming out of the prayer room. In fact, this message is almost not necessary if you were there in that place in that room. I'm hearing testimonies of the scales falling off of eyes and people's hearts breaking in tears. People who are recognizing that they've been silent far too long. People who are getting the lament of God. We've invited people to listen and learn and lament, and the Spirit is doing something. I was in the prayer room at 2 a.m. I think it was on the first night, And then I was sitting there looking at the prayer station, which says, don't look away. And I began to cry and i was saying, God, I want justice. God, I want healing. And as tears kind of just flowed down my face, I just heard this whisper back from Jesus. He said, I am doing it. I am bringing justice. I am bringing healing. I am bringing awakening. He brought me to Isaiah 42. Which says, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom I delight. I put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. It says, A bruised reed he won't break, a smoldering wick he won't put out. He will bring forth justice in his faithfulness. And listen to this he will not grow tired or weary until he brings justice to the earth. Jesus is bringing justice. No one else can bring justice and equity and fairness to this world. Jesus is bringing justice to the world. In Isaiah 42, it says, Like a mighty man, his zeal is stirred towards his foes, and his foes are not flesh and blood, but powers which divide humanity. It says that like a woman, he will cry and gasp and pant and remove the mountains. He will bring forth justice. Only the Lamb of God can take away the sins of the world, which are personal and which are systemic and institutional in our world. Jesus is doing it, and we can't bring forth justice unless we do it in his strength, with his wisdom, with his heart, and in his way. Jesus is the justice bringer in this hour. I was so encouraged as I sat there. Nava, today I'm inviting us on a journey, a journey of learning and formation, so that we can participate in Jesus's work to bring racial healing, racial justice, And racial reconciliation to the world. This is Jesus's work and this is the journey I want to invite us on today. This is a journey we should have taken long ago. We should have taken as a people, as a predominantly white church. I publicly repent to you this morning, personally, and on behalf of the core team, for not opening this conversation earlier. I'm sorry. I repent for not sitting in the pain with you and publicly expressing and lamenting it together earlier. I'm sorry. And I repent for being far too silent about the interpersonal and institutional racism in our nation and our city. Navo, will you please forgive me? Will you forgive us? We need your mercy. I thought it was enough to go on this journey personally. I have spent countless hours over the last years praying and thinking and reading and reaching out across differences to build relationships. I've let the pain of this community become my own. I've let it break my heart. I've let it move me to tears. I've gone on a journey deeply into letting God show me the beauty and the resilience of the black community and culture. But you know what? I've barely scratched the surface. Daily, I'm still facing my pride and the things I don't know. I've done this journey with my family and my daughters, and as a home church here in Legacy East, we have gone deep into this way. But I wanna tell you, doing it privately is not enough. We needed to do it publicly, and I am sorry. We desired, as the Blackwells and the Coxes, to let our everyday lives speak. We've tried to imperfectly model away of loving our predominantly black neighbors and neighborhood to try and, and and live a way of love in our community and model this. But that wasn't enough. We were silent publicly. And I want you to consider forgiving us. Over the years, we've often asked when we should take Nava on this learning journey of formation. And, and many times we had gotten close to doing it. In the summer of 2018, we had ordered books and were on our way as a leadership team to going on this journey, and then God asked us to surrender Plex spot. And we felt maybe it would be too much to ask this of the body at that time. For whatever reason, whether that was right or wrong, whether we needed more time to process and be formed, we didn't go on the journey, and I am sorry. Even God is addressing our global 24-7 family and our national leaders. There is a spirit of conviction that is on the nation, is on us. But here we are, and we believe now is the time to take this journey of learning and this journey of formation. We believe it's what the Spirit is doing right now. Today, if we hear His voice, we don't want to harden our hearts. Spirit, you're speaking right now to us. I wanna share just a few thoughts before I share the reasons that I think we should go on this journey, that just frame some of the journey. I wanna be clear about something. We're not going on this journey to check a box or to be seen as doing the right thing or as an emotional reaction. This is deep, deep in our hearts and it has been for a long time. We want to do this with wholehearted love and integrity. And we've counted the cost of what this might mean to let the Spirit search our hearts personally and as a church, uncovering anything that grieves Him. We've said, make us like Jesus, whatever it means. We're doing this because it's born in our heart from the Holy Spirit and we feel He's speaking. Over the next few months, every Sunday in our home churches, we're going to be focusing on this journey of learning and formation. It's going to prepare us though for a lifelong journey. You cannot get this in a few Sundays discussing, though I think it will be meaningful and beautiful. It's almost like uh, several months to bring just the invitation to the real lifelong journey of learning. I wanna say that wherever you are, Is where you are and it's okay. We're at different places in this conversation in this learning journey. We want to be gracious with one another and take the next step forward. Along the way, probably all of us will get triggered in our pain or places of misunderstanding at some point and we're not going to do that perfectly. Can we be long-suffering and gracious with one another in an open, honest, vulnerable dialogue, keeping Jesus at the center. For those in our home churches who are minorities, I want to say grace to you and God's help as we walk through this. We know that this isn't just education. This is your actual life. Even at the prospect of going on this journey, many of you will feel deeply fatigued. I feel this even as we approach the journey. We want to be sensitive as we go on this journey of learning to not fatigue people of color with too many questions. We don't want you to have to feel like you're the expert, but we want to hear from you. And we haven't done a good job over the years of doing that. I want to say something from Jamar Tisby, who's a black historian and pastor about this point, who said it well. For me, this isn't history. He said, this is real, this is personal, and this is painful. With that in mind, I want to talk about three reasons for this journey. Number one. This is the moment, Nava. It's the moment in our nation and it's the moment in our city. The winds of change are blowing and there is grace. It's all around us. It's on your social media feed. You're seeing it in the news. It's happening. One pastor I heard say, if it's on the front page of the news, it's on the front page of God's heart. It seems like God is moving in this area that Jesus is bringing justice. You may feel so fatigued like me from the COVID season. How can we take anything more? You may feel this is overwhelming or confusing. You may even feel numb to it. But I just want to say, let's not hide right now. There is grace to go on this journey of learning and formation together. We can't just be informed by our social media feeds, or news clips. We are to be discipled together by the authority of Scripture, by the Holy Spirit in the fellowship of the church. We're to have our minds renewed and to learn together. We want to be equipped as the church to engage this complex cultural moment so we as the church can be salt and light those who are ambassadors of reconciliation, who fight for justice and equity in our world with the heart of God filled with compassion. This is our calling and we have to be equipped for this cultural moment. Families talk about difficult things and they're still family. We want to do that together. We are called as the church to love our neighbors as ourselves, And we live in a city, one of the most segregated cities in America. In fact, the ninth most segregated city in America that lives with the historic pain of oppression and injustice. This isn't just somewhere else. If we are to love our city, we have to know where she hurts and feel her pain. And we wanna participate In God's plan now, in where history is headed towards a throne, and at that throne and around Jesus in worship will be every race and ethnicity and tribe and tongue and racial justice and racial healing is the end of the God story. So we are called to start now, right now, in line with where history is headed. The first reason is this is the moment. Let's be ready, church. The second reason is our shared humanity. We are all made in the image of God. I do not know what it feels like to have black skin and be mistreated just because of it. This is the time for the good news, church. We are made in the image of God. We are our brother's keeper. And when one part of humanity hurts, we all hurt. Desmond Tutu said it like this. My humanity is bound up in yours. For we can only be human together. Together. We are different precisely in order to realize our need of one another. We, do, we don't just share humanity. The third thing is this. We as the body of Christ are one one. One body, one Father, one Lord, one Spirit. And 1 Corinthians 12 says this, listen to these words. As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. If one part suffers, every part suffers. Right now, we are saying to the black community and those in pain, we need you because together we are one. Right now, we are saying, if you are hurting, we are hurting also. Action without suffering with others will lead to damage. We have to have God's compassion formed in us. So let us take up the beautiful moment of lament and co suffering. Our body is suffering, so. We are suffering. I've I've framed some thoughts for the journey, and I've talked about the reasons why we go on the journey, but now I want to talk about what will be required of us to go on this journey. This part is going to get a little more personal for me, so I just welcome you into my own place of vulnerability. Jamar Tisby frames up what it requires to go down this journey in what he calls the racial justice arc. A-R-C. A is awareness or even awakening. R, relationships. And C, committed action. He didn't get that out of anywhere. He got that from the word of God. I want to read Micah six. This is so powerful. He has told you, oh man, what is good? What does the Lord require of you? This is the question we all want to know. What does God require of us? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. I want to read it one more time just so we can sit in the power and beauty of God's instruction from his word. He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. These words, I'm aware, are easy to read, But oh my goodness, are they challenging to live. We need God to walk in this way. I'm sharing this message with you today, and I am not an expert. I am just a man trying to follow Jesus with my family on a journey. And I want to follow him with you down this path of humbly walking, of loving mercy and doing justly. I moved into a predominantly black neighborhood 17 years ago, the neighborhood that I still live in with my family. I moved in with youthful zeal and a passion for the church in Acts chapter two, but I moved in with very little knowledge about the pain in my neighborhood or the history of division that I lived all around. I grew up in the all white suburbs I had very little context for where we were coming and where we were moving in. The Blackwells, Chuds, and I just wanted to see the world changed and love Jesus. And we were planting a church and it came out of this very home, which we still live. We were led here by Jesus in 2003. It took us nine years to learn the name of our neighborhood, which is Legacy East. We learned it in a very ironic way when Google came to survey all the neighborhoods of the city, we found out the name of our neighborhood. Ironically, and painfully, because of the poverty of my neighborhood, Google wouldn't allow their fiber to be installed in our neighborhood. But the gift was, we found out the name was Legacy East. We had a heart to love the people in the neighborhood, but we had no idea how little we didn't understand about the east of Kansas City, and the amount of historic division and pain that Troost Avenue marks. These 17 years, God has revealed my heart in the deepest ways. He's revealed my ignorance. He's revealed my cultural judgment. He's revealed my pride to try to fix it. He's revealed um, in every way the the desire I have to insulate and isolate and self-protect. God has gotten to the roots of my heart. But he's also shown me his compassion, his hope, his, his, his love, and he's shown me the beauty of the black culture. It has been a wild journey that I'm very much still on. And probably I will never feel ready to share a message like this. So please bear with me. We're on this journey personally, but I believe we're to go on it together. This is the Micah 6-8 journey. What is required for us to make the journey? The first two things I think are absolutely crucial. God starts with do justly, but I'm going to suggest that if we don't walk humbly and love mercy... What Jamar Tisby we call walk humbly, he would say, there's got to be awareness and awakening and love mercy. we got to have real relationships. I believe we will do damage in trying to do justly. So I want to start there with walking humbly down this path and this journey and loving mercy. The first work of walking humbly and loving mercy for me has been prayerful work of depending on the Holy Spirit. Over and over and over, the Holy Spirit has revealed his heart to me, the things in my heart that have grieved him. Over and over, he has given me perspective when I was done to show me what he loves. And I encourage you to pray, Spirit, break my heart with the things that break your heart. We will not make this journey of learning and formation into racial healing, justice, and reconciliation without the Holy Spirit. This is our First and most important work, prayer. God will reveal. If he doesn't reveal and give revelation, we will live in reaction. And so let us have the prayerful work of the Holy Spirit. Next is the patient work of listening. The work of listening is not easy. It requires not being defensive. As we go down this path and you start to feel a defensiveness, an adrenaline rush come up in you, ask, why am I getting defensive? It's not easy to listen in general in human relationships, but the majority culture, the white majority culture, has never been good at listening to the minority cultures in America. We have got to listen. This is deep, hard work. And I want to say the same enemy that has propagated the division of ethnicities is desiring to divide us as we go down this learning journey. Nava, do not let him divide you. Stay in the tension with grace. I have learned so much in the listening journey, and I have discovered we are beloved together, our Father. I think about my conversations with Samuel. He has shown me what it is like to live and be raised on the east side of Kansas City. The tensions and the pain and the the beauty of it and the inside of that. I think of my friend Greg. Greg has shown me the inside of what the black church feels like and thinks like, and he's shown me the beauty of history, but he's also sat with me for hours explaining the prejudice he's experienced and the profiling and the bias that he's personally experienced. And if you listen, you will hear these stories. I've sat with Carolyn as she has shown me The ache of a mother who is lost over and over, but also the wisdom and the courage and the hope to keep resiliently persevering. I've sat with my friend Prentice, who's shown me what friendship looks like over the long haul, but he's also shared with me the fatigue that people of color feel in predominantly white churches. I'm thankful for every one of these friends. I'm thankful for my friend Donald, who corrected me one day and said, why are you trying to save the black community? Just be human in the love of Jesus. Man, that stung. But so many more moments where I had to listen and be impacted. This patient work of listening is so crucial to the conversation. It's not just the prayerful work or the patient work of listening, but we have to do the hard work of learning. This is tough. The American education system just did not show us the 400 years of oppression. We may have caught glimpses, but so much of it was buried and not shown to me over time. Martin Luther King uh, Day and Black History Month is just not enough to uncover the history. And I realized along the way my incredible deficiency in understanding the prolonged tragic history of oppression to the black community. And after all, this is hard work, but it is worth it. And to love means you're willing to learn someone's story. We wanna do that learning. You're gonna have to engage books that are difficult, And you're going to have to engage podcasts. And can I say, you're going to have to have black teachers and submit yourself to them and get their perspective. You may not agree with everything, but you have to learn and listen and receive. There's so much that I've discovered in the history. The African slave trade, 10 to 12 million Africans stolen from their homes, put in chains and brought to this nation. 20% of them dying. They're the only ethnic people in America who were not, uh, did not choose to come to this nation. Can we just sit with that for a second? They were brought here and not for liberty, but to be enslaved. A a quick mention of all kinds of history moments. We have chattel slavery beginning in 1619 in Virginia. We have the three-fifths compromise, counting black people as three-fifths of a human being for political leverage and power. We have ante- the antebellum South and the Civil War and the Reconstruction period and then the oppression of the Jim Crow segregation laws. We have voter suppression and, of course, the civil rights movement, which movement, which many of us know about, but This oppression did not end there. The iterations continue. A hundred years after the 15th Amendment, they were still working to get their rights. Redlining, blockbusting, the Fair Housing Act, the war on drugs, mass incarceration, um, minimum sentencing. These are the terms of our learning. But there's personal work. What about, as white evangelicals, the limited cultural tools of individualism and relationalism and anti-structuralism and then you get into what is privilege and what is my implicit bias and and all of these things where you're starting to see that sin isn't just personal but the people who have sin created systems and those systems oppress people and if this all feels like a lot it is a lot it's so much it's the hard work of learning and exposing our heart and it takes A lot of time, it's more than a few weeks on Sunday mornings. Now the church has, at moments, worked for justice, bringing freedom to slavery, or or, or Martin Luther King, especially in the movement of civil rights. But what has grieved my heart is that over and over through this tragic 400-year history, the church has either instigated, been complicit in, or been silent in the face of injustice when we should have fought for freedom. And we've got a lot of work today. Forgive us, God, as the church. We need humility, Nava. I'm talking about walking humbly and loving mercy. This listening journey, prayer journey, this learning journey leads us to the deep, tender work of lament. This is where we've got to feel it and let it break our hearts. Lament in the Bible is a liturgical response to the reality of suffering and engages God in the context of pain and trouble. Daniel Hill says in his book, Wide Awake, I've realized I wanted to protect my own way of life. I have all this pride in my heart. I want to fix it. This is painful, but unless you feel it, God cannot heal it. He wants us to lament. In that same prayer slot at 2 a.m., I was sitting in the prayer room and I was crying, as I told you, and all of a sudden I realized my tears were, were, were just a small fraction. I began to see a river of tears from black mamas and daddies and brothers and sisters and uncles and cousins this river of tears out of unjust suffering i mean thousands upon thousands and i just sat there and cried and i could i could see the river and it was like joining jesus's tears from the throne and the river was rolling and as i saw it i felt the lord say adam this is the amos 5:24 river the river it says that rolls down of justice and righteousness. This unjust river of tears, of lament, is the river of justice and righteousness that's coming. And, and then the picture changed, and I could see us as the white community, we were willing to join the tears and get off the bank and let the river of God's righteousness and justice take us to where He, Jesus, our King, was leading. My friend Jonathan Thomas, who's inspired us to the Isaiah 58 movement, says it like this. God needs to give us the gift of tears. We have to feel it. Do we have tears? He said, there will be no joyful reaping without tearful weeping. The harvest requires water, and that's the tears of the saint. We will have to love mercy As you begin to engage this history and the pain, you might feel guilty or ashamed, but you've got to go to Jesus who forgives and covers and mercy weighs more than judgment. And we've got to have mercy so deep in our hearts so we don't point the finger and judge in this conversation. Do we love mercy and will we walk humbly? The third part is do justly. Actually, it was the first part of Micah 6.8, if you remember. And I think it's because it's right at the front of God's heart. But I want to say again, if you don't do the work, if we don't do the work of walking humbly and loving mercy, we will do damage when we try to go do justly. I'm not going to spend as much time speaking about this part of the journey because I want us to take so seriously the listen, learn, lament journey journey. Before we get to doing justly, but many of you are already acting. Many of you whose hearts are already broken, already moving. Well done for speaking up. Well done for acting. But if you're not there, let God meet your heart first. This is the long, slow work of living and acting in love to break the oppression and to bring equity and flourishing. This is the kingdom of God. Justice is when the rights, uh, the wrongs become right. It is when equity and fairness fills the earth. It's when righteousness fills every single place. My friend Sarah Bryce says it like this, the undoing of racial injustice has to be as intentional as the creation of racial injustice. I'm going to read that again. The undoing of racial injustice has to be as intentional as the creation of racial injustice. We are not called just to quick fixes or to make ourselves feel better with activity. We are called together to set ourselves on the long, slow work of reconciling and bringing justice with Jesus. This is the work of the church, transforming unjust systems. This can feel overwhelming when you're talking about education reform, health reform, Uh, criminal justice reform, sentencing reform, and on and on and on. There is inequity on every level for the black community in life and in death and in health. This is a long pursuit. If you're overwhelmed, would you breathe deeply? We are called to do what we see our father doing. And there's peace and we can walk with him into this journey. But we must act as he has our heart. I don't want us to underestimate that every small action of justice, every small action with the heart of mercy and humility is seen in heaven and makes a difference. Right now, you might be feeling the urge to act. You might be asking, what can we do? I want to offer one simple thing that is happening in our city that I am so moved by. Truth, the historic dividing line of our city, is 10 miles long. It has been unjustly created and we believe that it is time, together with the church of the city, to see the chains of oppression broken. On June 19th at 7 p.m., Juneteenth, the celebration of the end of slavery in 1865. On that day, June 19th, 7 p.m., we are going to see A 10-mile human prayer chain form on the east sidewalk of Truce, Nava, bring your family. I want every one of us to come out, and it's called Pray on Truce. We're going to stand there with masks on, one word written on our mask, and lift our voices in heaven that the walls of division will come down in Jesus' name, that the chains of oppression would be broken. Can you picture thousands of believers filling the east side of truth. Now, this is just one small moment, but we pray it's a catalytic moment that will help to produce a long-term movement of change and undoing inequity and injustice in our city. I want to close here. I've invited us on a journey, a journey of learning and formation so we can participate in Jesus's work of racial healing, racial justice, and racial reconciliation. I've said it's a lifelong journey. The Spirit will have to help us on, but I'm excited that we get to start together. I want to remind us that it's Jesus who's bringing about justice and Jesus who's bringing about righteousness in the world, and he alone will not grow weary doing it. We need him. And lastly, I want to remind us that to walk this path, Will require that we walk humbly, that we love mercy, and that we do justly. Nava, here we are. The one thing that I think he's asking for is our simple willingness and yes to go with him as a family on this journey. Will you pray with me in closing? Jesus, you bring justice. Jesus, You are worthy of one family in this city. Jesus, we need you to bring humility in our hearts, the love of mercy that we can participate with you in your work of racial healing and justice and reconciliation. Lord, would you give us the courage to go on this journey and the willingness to say yes. I love you, Nava family. Amen.